The views and opinions of the EDGE podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, U.S. Department of State, or the U.S. government. Welcome to The Edge, the Education USA Global Exchange Podcast, broadcasting from the central nervous system of our global network, Washington, D.C. Everybody and welcome back to The Edge. My name is Adina Archer and I am joining you today from the beautiful campus of Virginia Commonwealth University, also known as VCU, um, in wonderful downtown Richmond. And I am here with two colleagues today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Marcy Fratkin. I'm the Director of Global Partnerships, but most recently, as of September, have been taken on the international recruitment at VCU. Um, I've been in the field of international ed for about 20 years, doing everything from orientation at Texas A&M for 1,000 students. But my last 10 years, I've been focused on international admissions and recruitment. And I have, with that, I've traveled to about 75 countries, mostly for work. Awesome. Thank you, Marcy. My name is Stephen Rich. I am the Director of International Admissions at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia, um, just down the road here from, from Richmond. Um, I have been in the field of international education uh, for almost 25 years, um, working mostly exclusively in, in admissions, um, doing recruitment, um, credential evaluation, uh, admissions processing. Um, been to, I think, about 80 countries. I haven't sat down and really recounted well you know the best way to count them is getting the app bin the bin map the bin app is a great way to keep track of all that exactly i need to go through and redo that because i just added a few including the most recent one was costa rica for the uh ed usa regional forum um in 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 san jose in costa rica back in was that november yeah yeah november Yeah. (laughs) yeah Anyhow, we're very happy to be here today. Thank you. Lovely. Lovely. So we wanted to kind of have a, um, a light-hearted conversation today, um, kind of about your experience on the road. Uh, before we started taping, we talk, talked a little bit about how um, recruitment travel is a little bit different now uh, than it was pre-pandemic, so maybe we can touch on some of that. But I guess my first question, we'll start with you, Stephen. Um, how do you decide where you want to travel? How do you make those decisions? Yeah, um, I think, well, actually this now is when we start looking at different opportunities as we start planning our, our uh, recruitment travel uh, and doing recruitment plans for the fall, because the fall is kind of the, where we do the bulk of our, our recruitment travel. I think that's a common practice. Um, so now we start collecting different opportunities and different fair options that are out there. Um, and what we do is we do we look at data we do a data analysis of where we see trends um, we look at open doors data we look at you know different trends in different countries uh, regions um, and how they match up with our trends uh, enrollment trends uh, and that's where we start as a base um, we look at obvious uh, places where we get most of our students which is south asia 
And that's kind of where we start um, looking and, and we're obvious events where we try to uh, have a presence uh, and repeat to go to the same types of events in, in, our, in our key uh, markets. Um, that's kind of how we start the, the planning. Um, obviously, other opportunities come about and we either tag on to our travel or we may just, you know, uh, kind of select a, a, a different, a new trip um, or a new destination that may come about or an opportunity that may come about. So um, it's not always like a plan that's set in stone. It's a very much a living plan. Um because you have to have the flexibility to 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 uh, to kind of curate the the recruitment um, travel to what your needs are, and there are opportunities that kind of just pop up as you're as you're planning or even last minute um, where you have to make a quick change or a swap out from you know different cities or different recruitment venues and things like that. Um, how do you, how would you how do you plan marcy some of the additional things i look at of course i'm looking at iie's open door data but it's been really hard after covid or as the pandemic is hopefully winding down it's been very challenging because everything is sort of having a restart i feel don't you feel like it's a new world out there you know and and numbers have changed and grad is coming back and because both of us recruit for graduate and undergrad i know a lot of people maybe are focused just on undergrad or grad but both Steve and I recruit for both graduate and undergrad students. So I think it's a bit of a new world. I feel like the grads have come back a little quicker. And so we've been focusing on that a little bit more. But the other thing I, besides looking at open doors is, and looking at our own data, is I also try to look at the date of like Virginia and what people have communities here. Because students are more likely to go to areas where there is community. So Virginia is known for having a very large Indian population, a very large Vietnamese population, Ethiopian. And so those are some of the areas, and they're also large sending places, that we're also concentrating on is looking at that. The other thing we've taken advantage of at VCU is um, some of our faculty connections, because part of our international recruitment strategy at VCU is through partnerships. So one plus one masters, two plus two bachelors, or other connections from, uh, we have a very, as many universities do, have a large faculty that are um, from other countries. But we are still working on it from remotely, working on developing new partnerships. And um, and um, may, and work, we both work with agents and working with agents. And so that is in some way we're looking at how to reach out to China as it comes slowly back to life, I feel. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I, you, I use the regional forms, especially the regional forms, as SWOT analysis of different markets. It really gives me opportunity to talk to the different Education USA advisors from many different countries. So talking to them and really, because they're the feet on the ground and they can give us a lot of insight, you know, are universities good matches for them? What kind of things those students are looking for? So I often use the regional forums as SWOT analysis of of a region to figure out. And I, I was also in Costa Rica and I was talking to different advisors there to figure out where could VCU fit in and, you know, what could we take away from there that our programs, our offerings match there, our price point, you know, what kind of environment they're looking for. 
And so those are the experts as those Education USA advisor. And since they're totally impartial, they'll just tell you as it is Mm -hmm. in those countries. And I'm glad you mentioned the EdUSA forums because that is a good opportunity to go and to, to get that market intelligence firsthand from those advisors. And especially if you're seeking out emerging markets, these are markets that are not you know, where everyone's going, but, um, you know, I, I can recall um, going back probably 15 to <laughs> plus years, um, going to one of the, uh, meeting with one of the advisors um, from Nepal, and that's before Nepal was really a hot commodity or, you know, a place to go because it was an emerging market. But I did not have that intelligence, that, that market information um, prior to, to actually having that firsthand experience with, with the Education USA advisor in Nepal. So um, it, I think the opportunities that, that, the, that those regional forums present is really, is really key to developing your sense of, of, of market viability and, and opportunities that, that you want to build upon. And I think those emerging markets are really, really key. Yeah. Because, you know, we go to India and everyone's there. Yeah. But if we go to some of these smaller markets, yes, we may not be getting hundreds and hundreds of students like India, but we might be able to build a very small but sustainable population that will constantly be coming in. And you're not competing with as many schools as well. So I yeah. think I really enjoy going to some of the maybe the smaller markets and unusual markets. And sometimes I tag that on. Like I'm probably going back to India in April and I might go to Bangladesh, which is, you know, a it's more maybe more than an emerging market, but it's easy to, easily to do a regional recruitment strategy where you tag on some other smaller markets to some of your bigger markets. Yeah, and sometimes it's not an emerging market, but it is for you, right? Yeah. For your institution. That is true exactly. too. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, thinking about, um, I always call them exploratory markets or emerging markets. Um, I'm just curious, how do you guys sell your leadership on going into something new and a little, maybe a little risky. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm usually very upfront with with our leadership in terms of where we're going and why we're going. Um, and there, yeah, I, risk. I think having that conversation um, and and having leaders that kind of understand risk and willing to to take that risk is uh, you know obviously in in my favor. I think. Um, but I think having data, solid data, information, um, even data from, uh, you know, if you do an analysis of uh, mobility trends where students are going, even if it's not to the U.S., so we look at trends maybe, you know, where, they, where they're going in, in Europe, the U.K., Canada, Australia, things like that. Mm, um, that's smart. To kind of present that as, you know, you want to you present the, as, a, as an opportunity for growth um and with that of course comes risk so um yeah i don't know if you wanted to add i think the other thing we have to do when we're trying to explain that and we also say look we can do this for a minimal cost and some and i think that's the advantage of also working with education usa often their fares are a little cheaper than like if we do with some of these private companies but if we can say it's a minimum cost and we can do this and you know but they have to understand going once to like you know, you know, Eastern Europe is not going to get you a student. It's a, it's a, you know, it takes two or three times to start yielding those students and building that network. And I think that is part of, that is very challenging, especially on the undergrad. It takes a lot longer to recruit an undergrad versus a grad student. 
and that that is something you have to put set as expectations when you're trying to work on those emerging markets for your school or in general emerging markets. Um, at a past institution, um, I was doing a lot of, um, you know, uh, Slovenia, Croatia, uh, Macedonia, Bulgaria, and I was doing that tour a lot, and we were slowly getting students. And because they were not part of the EU, but everyone goes, oh, e they're going to go to the EU. I go, you know, we're just as reasonably priced as the EU because they're not part of the EU. So it's talking about them, sort of giving that context and that understanding. And yes, we might not get, like, you know, when I go to India, you know, we come back with a lot of apps or some, or Brazil. They might be smaller, but they're smaller countries. And so you can do it more economically as well. So it's that return on investment and the diversity. We've seen so many, um, Steve and I have been in this business so long, when universities concentrate on one country too much and they don't build that diversity, you have unhappy students. You often have, sometimes have unhappy faculty. And then if something happens in that, in that country, you lose all your students. And I think the pandemic has really proven that, that some, maybe some places were a little bit too dependent on China for yeah. their populations. And now they're trying to rebuild, but hopefully rebuild in a more diversified market. And yes, some of these countries will always be more dominating, but you also have to build out those other markets. Good, good. Well, thank you both for that. Um, uh, so this is supposed to be a lighthearted Sorry. <laughs> episode. No, no, no. But I did want to give some people some meaty stuff that they could walk away with. Um, but now I want to get to the lighthearted stuff. So I asked you guys to think about, prepare to tell some stories. Um, so this is your opportunity to tell some stories. So I'm just going to leave it to you guys to do that. Well, here's Marcy being stupid, but I thought I was being smart. And I'm going to own this, but then I'm going to talk about how it worked out. So I was going, I think, you know, you were even there representing your old institution, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to Nigeria after attending the Education USA Regional Forum in Madrid. I don't know what year that was. And, um, and I, you know, had my Nigerian visa. I had less than six months left on my passport. And I emailed the Nigerian embassy and said, I want to verify that you'll let me in your country. And that you'll let me in. And, um, and they said, sure. And I had printed out the email so that, you know, that this was not a requirement to have six months. And it was seriously like four days short. And so I had the email ready. I had my visa because I had just gotten the visa for Nigeria. And I go to the airport and Lufthansa says, you have less than six months. And I go, well, look, here's a letter from the embassy saying I can enter. They go, you have less than six months. And um, some airlines are a little more stubborn than others, and they would not let me fly. So I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? So I had to go get an emergency passport in Madrid, and I actually missed the first city in Nigeria. And, you know, sometimes you just have, this is, I think, with even what Steve was talking about with international recruitment and opportunities, that you just have to be able to roll with the punches. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned and doing admissions enrollment, you, you could have the best late plans, be prepared, I had the little email, and things just don't work out. And so, so you know, I missed the first city, but I was able to get a v, uh, passport and use the visa and the other passport, and they let me use an emergency passport. And I got that at the last minute, but I did miss the first city, and I was able to get a new passport. My point about passports is they are precious, but they're not so precious. 
There really is great support services overseas to help get you a new passport. Just have a photocopy of it. I always have, I have a photocopy of my passport, my phone, in my email, even often a hard copy. And I often carry photos just in case, because you never know. Um, but the other funny story maybe I wanted to say is, I'm not even gonna name the country. I was traveling with two other universities, small group travel. And I'll just say it was somewhere in Africa. And we go to, we were supposed to be doing a presentation to the Education USA office. And we go downstairs to the front desk of the hotel and say, well, can you help us get a taxi? And they said, oh, no taxis available. And we're like, okay, we just got taxis the last three days. What's going on here? <laughs> we go, okay, okay, well, can we get a hotel car? They go, oh, no hotel cars available. We're like, we've been doing this for days. What's different today? And I'm going, okay, well, should we walk out to the road? And they go, oh, no, madam, you can't walk out to the road. And we have no idea what's going on. But, you know, there was a little, they, they said, fine. and we're going, okay, can you please, we had to beg the hotel to tell us, the concierge to tell us what was going on. Because they don't, I don't know, they were, thought they just could say, no, you can't leave the hotel because they weren't going to provide transportation. But we eventually found out there was some civil unrest because they had opened a new border with a neighboring country. So we did end up moving a lot of our meetings to the hotels. Um, a lot of our, our partners came to visit the three of us at the hotel. And it, it was somewhat productive. And we did shorten our trip and decide to leave. But that's what I'm saying. You have to roll with the punches. But it was so funny, the hotel just wouldn't say this was going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you got, Steve? Well, mine also has to center around protests. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was a peaceful protest. But we were warned... Um, we got a driver from a hotel. This was in Morocco. This was, uh, it's been a number of years. It was in Casablanca. Um, and it was small group travel. I was with, I think, only one other school at, the, at that point in the trip. And we had a hotel car that was taking us to do some high school visits. Um, we thought we were going around where these protests, it was university students uh, protesting something. Um, and we had... Uh, had to take a turn and we actually kind of got into a situation where we were surrounded by protesters and in fact we were told that we had to park the car because it was too dangerous to try to to go forward so we actually got out um and you know we walked around a bit and we missed obviously our our <laughs> our high school uh, appointments but we ended up talking to a group a couple of students a group of students you're recruiting um, protesters? Is that what you're exactly. telling us, Exactly. That's what we ended up doing. We just kind of made, you know, lemonade out of the lemons that we were we dealt there. Um, yeah. So and then there was another, I'm trying to think, there was another time where, oh, a protest in, this was in the Middle East in Jordan. Um, when I had arrived, um, I had a driver from the hotel that picked me up, and he took me to this shawarma shop. It was kind of off the beaten path, yeah. but it was... Uh, really good place and I was like why are you taking me here he's like oh we can't go to the hotel now well we get to the hotel and we had to go in the back entrance of this hotel like the delivery entrance um, literally I walked through like um, the the food and beverage area and into the lobby finally but um, and then I turned on CNN and CNN was out in front of our hotel. Um, <laughs> wow. They were, it was like labor protests or something that were going on. But again, it was pretty peaceful. It wasn't yeah. anything that I felt threatened or anything. Steve and I were both talking the other day. Um, 
that we um, both our universities have. What do they call them? Uh, the tra- travel advisory. We have to register if we're going yes. to a country that's what three and above. Two and above? What we have to register all of our Oh, travel. you have to register. Yeah. We have to rate. Regardless. We check our state department, um, state.gov, for travel to see what the travel warning is here at VCU. Yeah, yeah. And it's a really good resource to figure out what vaccination, because both of us are heading to Africa. We're trying to figure out our vaccinations and stuff like that. Yeah. What other crazy stories do we have? I know you've got a few more. Um... You reminded me of one of them that I, I did not to, want to remember. I, 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 I forgot the story was about Steve. Someone was telling me this story. What is that story, Steve? We were, we were at some high school. It makes me chuckle. At the time, I was like, whatever. But it's funny. I was at a high school somewhere in the Middle East. I was on a tour. Um, with a private company. With a private company. And <laughs> one of the best companies. <laughs> we won't say names. But anyway. Um, I was in a high school and I had to use the restroom, so I went into the restroom and um, I heard some commotion and some some things going on. Well, I had been locked in the bathroom stall, so <laughs> and there were these high school kids that were just um, laughing and carrying on, and well, then they proceeded and threw toilet paper. I think it was wet, wet toilet, toilet paper, paper over the, <laughs> over the, <laughs> the stall. Um, I had to crawl out. Actually, I climbed over, and then I was just—I was pretty angry at them, and I was kind of yelling at them. They didn't look too. Did you recruit them? Frightened. No, <laughs> I did not want to recruit them. Oh, that's too bad. Anyway, I, I didn't want to make a big deal about it, but the the head of the the tour that we were on, he did make a big deal about it. And yes, he didn't go back to that school for like three or four years, and I—I I don't know if you were there when we went. Finally, went back. But I have never seen that many teachers patrolling the area. <laughs> I also have never been treated so luxurious. They brought us cappuccinos. They gave us notebooks upon our return. They begged the provider to come back to that school. And they then they treated us like, you know, kings and queens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think my probably my one of my weirdest experiences actually, though, was at Education USA with our former advisor who's passed in Russia, where mm-hmm. we went from Moscow to Vladivostok, and um, and I don't know why, and this you know when we were still going to Russia, they always did this tour, the Siberian tour in the middle of February. <laughs> I've never understood that. In fact, my my whole office at my former institution used to make fun of me that we're sending Marcy to Siberia, and they would all laugh at me. It was really kind of cruel. Um, they're like, Marcy's going to Siberia. In February. And travel in Russia, everything is supposed to go into Moscow. So we were trying to go from, you know, east to west. Is that right? Yes. And um, so traffic, transportation is not set up like that in Russia. So we were doing all these weird midnight flights and stuff. It was one of the best tours, most beautiful tours. And, but it was, it was some hardcore travel and middle of the night flights with broken seats and, and and but 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 yes oh and oh but on that trip that's a funny story i went to go take a shower and um and i thought i was in um psycho the movie the water was coming out red out of the out of the shower and you know like okay sure that happens run the water and it hopefully will come clear so i ran the shower which i was a peace corps volunteer in kenya and water conservation is very important to me because i used to do a lot of stuff with that 
So it was really hard for me to do that. But I was running the shower and running the shower and still looked like blood and red. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not taking a shower. Mm-hmm. And um, I go down and then I go, oh, yes, we are having issues with our water. I think a lot of our other stories just have to do with meeting colleagues on the road or running, bumping into them without even intentionally... Yeah, yeah, that does. That happens a lot. Um, I mean, in a Marriott lounge in Beijing, and you just run into somebody and like, hey, you know, yeah. and you just have a glass it's such of a wine small world. catch yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that we've done, I know Marcy and I have done this a few times, is um, adding on some personal days. So we... Um, we went whitewater rafting on yes. the Nile. Um, that was funny because we actually ended up went going whitewater rafting with one of the best high school. It was all teachers. It was just they just have to have booked. It was was it? I can't remember what school it was. I remember, but I'm not going to say. Okay. It. <laughs> oh, it was some. It was a private high school, and all the teachers just happened to book the same um, whitewater <laughs> yeah, so rafting. So we thought it would be a personal day, but we actually had an opportunity oh, yeah. to do some networking. To do work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and someone fell. Well, we all fell out, but someone really fell out. And said mm-hmm. some funny things as they fell yes. in the water. Yeah, they, we flipped and it was fun. So that was a good one. Um, I think taking advantage of these opportunities. Um, you know, we travel. You guys said that you've been to 70, 80 countries. Um, and a lot of times people think this work is so luxurious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, I know. am so sick of ballrooms. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like one, you know, hotel, like car. Yeah, yeah, high school, you know. Um back to the hotel, back to the airport. Um, but we do get some time. We do, if we're, if we're able to, we take time. So if our listeners are learning one thing, it is that you must be flexible, tenacious. Um, if you want a situation where your meetings start in time and they end on time and you make it to the airport with plenty of time and everything goes smoothly, this is not the field <laughs> for you, right? Um, yeah. And I can't tell you how many times, especially in this new world we're in, things are not planned. I mean, sort of we could predict pre-pandemic that, oh, this fair is always going to happen at this time or this thing. And we're still, things are still coming back. So, and you never know, you know, when there's going to be an opportunity that you just sometimes have to take advantage of. And let me tell you, you know, you know, the administrations want, well, what's your recruitment plan for the next year? What countries are going to go to exactly? What events are going? I'm going... I don't know. I don't know what events are yeah. even going to happen. And and I think the new Education USA website is hopefully helping with that a Let's little bit. Let's do a plug for that. So, And we just released an episode as we're taping this, but it's probably going to be three or four episodes back about the fairs. Um, but for those who don't know, we do have a new website. It's educationusafairs.org, and that will list all of our fairs all over the world. Um, some of the fairs are free. Some of them are virtual. Some of them are in person. Uh, and then we have a beautiful map, um, which is my favorite part of it. You can go on there and see what's going on around the world. So if you've not checked that out, please do. And my other tip, and I hope it's okay to talk about something else, because mm-hmm. it's not really a company, but U.S. Journal um, also has all the fairs, including yeah. the Education yeah. oh, USA. Right? Okay, that's great. Yeah, that you can they find list all the all fairs. They the different recruitment opportunities. And they don't um, charge. It's just something they yeah. do as a service to it's the just community. U.S. Journal for Academics, I think. It is, I think yeah. yes. Okay. You can Google it, and, and you'll see a list of of recruitment. But I think this is so good with Education USA. I've been begging. I'll be honest. Education USA. Uh, to I used to re- keep spreadsheets. And yes. It was yeah. Insane. Yeah. So this is just such a such a great thing, and also, I mean, 
Steve has more staff than I do. He has two travelers, two and a half travelers. Well, it's me, and I have a, um, a recruitment coordinator. And Mary. so, and she, I'm basically. So her and I, basically. It's me and what I trick my boss into going to, yeah. um, traveling, basically. So it's, it really helps try to figure out that big picture or where you can connect stuff together. Yeah. But just to go back to one of the points that, that I wanted to make sure that we, that we made here, just what's changed yeah. post-pandemic. Yeah. And that's one thing that has changed, I think, is the the mechanics of registering for fares and getting that information. It seems like they're that the fare providers are pushing out information earlier because things are filling up really fast. Yes. And that's one of the things that's really changed a lot. I mean, usually it wouldn't be until May yeah. where you're making your hardcore decisions for fall. For fall, yeah. Because you kind of hold off and wait for NAFSA, and then after NAFSA you kind of like, you know, you go back it, and you you, yeah. you do all your registrations in June. Um, try to use up you know your your money from the the fiscal year that's about to end if you have money left over, and then you can go ahead and and, and keep planning. But now it seems that information is being pushed out sooner, and you have to the deadlines are, are earlier, and and you're competing with other institutions to get slots for some of those uh, recruitment events because um, they're capped. Yeah, um, Brazil and India often fill up so make sure I Vietnam, think Vietnam Vietnam those three are some yeah. of the hardest yeah. to get into um, just so make sure you guys are on those listservs with Education USA that you've built a relationship with the reacts in the region or even the advisors or country coordinator depending who they are you know and they're great resources um, there's now some what's up groups I'm on and yeah. so things are always evolving. I think the other thing I would say really changed from the pandemic, and I don't know, I know that's not what this exactly is about, but is that it's a new world. So not everything is in person anymore. And I think yeah. that it's now a hybrid thing. So some things we're doing in person, some, t- some fairs oh, are yeah. virtual. The virtual fair stuff is not going away anytime soon. I don't think so either. And it's a really good opportunity. It taught us a lot, I think, during the pandemic to be flexible. Um, to be able to 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 do that, um, it's also good for that emerging markets if you're trying to soft pedal and try something yeah, new. Exactly. So I have one last question for you both. Um, it's it's a it's a trick question. It's not a trick question, but it's not one that you guys were prepared for. Um, but I would like an answer anyway, um, if you have one. And that is, what is one thing that we would find in your suitcase that might surprise us? Hmm. I, I'll, I'll do mine. I um, always bring, it won't be a surprise, but I always bring vitamin C and I always bring meat sticks um, because, as we said, you have to be flexible. Often you're, you know, you're missing meals, so I have those meat sticks and I take vitamin C every day when I'm on the road and that prevents me from getting sick. So those are my two. I take Ziploc baggies because sometimes when you're going out on a school visit all day, you don't get home, so you can take your muffins and chocolate croissants for breakfast. Mm. Um, I also always have peanut M&Ms in my suitcase almost, because you know, it's sort of healthy, and, <laughs> and peanuts don't melt in your hand. Mm. Um, and so that's, you know, so I always have peanut M&Ms almost always in my suitcase, but a million Ziploc baggies of different sizes. Now, you just made a reference there. A lot of people aren't going to get it. The melt, what is it? Melt in your mouth, not in your, in your hands. hands. That was, that was like the old M&M thing. Remember is that, that? old? Yeah, exactly. back in the day. Oh, yeah. sorry. What about you, Steve? Um, I mean, I'm pretty boring. and So I always calculate out where I have to do laundry because mm-hmm. I try to not overpack. So I always bring these little um, 
uh, laundry soap um, packets that I throw in my mm -hmm. in my luggage um, so I can actually hand wash yeah and I always plan out where I'm gonna do that um, and count like how many days and then I can you know count how many pairs of socks I need to bring and shirts and things and then the time that it takes to to dry, that's this. Yeah, it's the dry. So, it's the dry but it saves on space, and space is a commodity when you're traveling yeah. because, especially if you're if you're traveling with some of your materials, it's the other thing. Um, you know, shipping has gotten really expensive, yeah. especially post pandemic. I mean, I was shocked, sticker shock, um, uh, just receiving an invoice recently of shipping two boxes to India for a tour that we did. Um, and it was really expensive so we're trying to fit stuff in our luggage and, and space is really um you know an issue so i'm always trying to not bring as much yeah yeah my big thing is i don't ship anymore i if i take a certain amount with me and i'm all over and i was started this before the pandemic and i used to put it there's a facebook group called globetrotters that's a lot of the recruiters and i used to yeah. post their printers and i'm going to start doing that again mm -hmm. Finding it's, printers in different cities. Speak. Yeah. And you can't do that, you know, with a fancy multi-page brochure. But having those one-pagers, because I, I don't think they're into the big brochures anymore. No, Students just want to be able to get say. to the website. They want the, just the pertinent information, and a one-sheeter is the way to go. Yeah. I have two one-sheeters, one for undergrad, one for grad. That way you can list all the programs on the back, the costs, scholarships, stuff like that. And that's all the information that they need. Yeah. And These large brochures are kind of a thing of the past. Yeah. I and, I, and so those are really easy. Like I printed over a thousand, when I did the Nepal fair, which was a, we had what, over 1,500 I had to students? reprint three times on that yeah. trip. Yeah. So we, wow. so, and, <laughs> and a good resource for that is often Education, Education USA. USA. They, yeah. they can help you hook up with a local printer that you can trust, that you can work with. Good quality. And good yeah. quality. I had stuff and it's often cheaper. You know, and I know delivered it right to the hotel. And I just started doing this even before the pandemic because I was so sick of spending hundreds of dollars for shipping and then having panic attacks. Will it really get there or will it be stuck in custom Customs, or yeah. do I have to use a really, you know, some of those expensive services to make sure it gets there? And they're good. Those expenses places that specialize in international recruitment will get it there. But you're paying, you know, almost sometimes the same amount as a fare. And so printing yeah. overseas is generally cheaper and the quality can be very good, and and then you don't have to worry about running out. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I want to thank you both very much. Thank you for your time, and thank you for your stories. We appreciate you. Yes, excellent. Lovely. Thank you. Bye. We're excited to share the 2023 Education USA Global Guide. Published annually and drafted by top Education USA experts overseas, the Global Guide provides the U.S. higher education community detailed information on current recruitment trends, country highlights, and government scholarships. The Global Guide also provides statistics on Education USA in person and virtual outreach, and tips on engagement strategies to reach students from each world region. Bye. Bye.